Coming up next on The Voice of Alabama Politics, our special guest is Senator Doug Jones. Also, the V-Team takes a look at criminal justice reform. And former Speaker Mike Hubbard is still in Lee County Jail. He's gone. Strike. <laughs> we hear he's a kitchen trustee. Better watch the food money. All this and much, much more coming up next on The V. where we tackle the tough issues so you have the hard facts. I'm your host, Bill Britt, and today I'm joined by Susan Britt and Josh Moon. Welcome, guys. Hi. How's it going? Hey, Josh. Hey, guys. All right, well, it's turned cold just like politics. It is cold oh. season. <laughs> and miserable just like politics. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, one of the things we've been talking about lately is Governor Kay Ivey's plan to build three new men's prisons. Uh, anybody that <coughs> that train hasn't left the station doesn't know Governor Kay Ivey. No. That cake is baked. She's going to build those prisons. Uh, this week I spoke with the administration about criminal justice reform. And, you know, they are very serious about getting criminal justice reform passed. We know that prisons alone. Uh, will not get the job done, and we know that the criminal justice reforms that are needed will not go far enough. But Josh, sometimes <coughs> politics is the art of the possible, and we're looking at what is possible here in Alabama. For decades, we've been crying for new prisons. We're going to get them. We've been asking for justice reform. It looks like we'll get all of those in a fashion. Yeah, I, I, and yeah, you and you're right. And uh, what's possible, and uh, I guess maybe if you're ticking off everybody in the process, you've probably done something right along the way. Um, you know, because you you are these are things that we wanted to do. Uh, you know, that getting new prisons. I, you know, I think people. I, I don't believe anybody on either side of the aisle has a problem with with building the new prisons. I think there there's some some issues with how it's being done. Uh, we've raised those, of course, and. Um, and, and you know, and I, and I think the fear is, is that the prison portion of this is going to take away from the portion where we, we do a lot of things that help the people inside those walls. Uh, right. You know, and, and to in in the interest of also all the rest of us, and rehabilitating all those people is something that is uh, you know it should be top priority for everybody, and it should be the main focus of our prison system. But uh, yeah, I, you know, criminal justice reform is a huge piece of that as well. And you know, Cam Ward and some of these guys that have done you know uh, just a lion's share work on this thing over the last few years, kind of piecemeal. Uh, you know, if you could get together right. with everybody and put together a broad uh, bill on this, I think that would be the best thing for everybody involved. 
And I, Susan, I think that's where they're going. I mean, I don't think anybody's going to ever be happy with everything. But in Alabama, we, we can't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. And that, that seems to be sometimes where, where we are. I mean, I'm not expecting advocates uh, of Republicans or Democrats, liberals or conservatives to back down on their beliefs. We're just saying that we have the possible in front of us. Mm -hmm. Let's work on that and then work on the impossible next. And while I'm not totally in love with the idea of the way we're building the prisons, we've got to start somewhere. And at least this is spurring, you know, more talking about, you know, prison reform, more talking about how do we do things better both inside the, the prison system and inside the courts. At least we're starting somewhere. It's not perfect. Well, nobody, and not everybody's going to be in love with anything you do. Well, we're going to have to address recidivism. Yep. We're going to have to address education inside the prisons. We're going to have to look at diversion programs rather than putting more people in prison, putting them in diversion programs. Republicans have <coughs> reluctantly learned, as many of us have, that it is too costly to incarcerate people over a long period of time. And we also have to look at the immorality or the, the lack of ethics that's in some of our sentencing, like the three strikes laws. Yeah, uh, you know, and, and I think the that should be the first thing, uh, not not just the you know I think the cost of it gets talked about a lot, and and I think you know to hit people at the, in the pocketbook because they care more about that, and I, I've never understood that part of it. Uh, if you're, what is your goal of a prison system here? Uh, is your goal simply punitive? Is it is it simply to punish people to say you know we're we're going to keep you locked up as long as possible because you you know robbed somebody for fifty dollars? And uh, no one has ever said that's wrong. But at the same time, other countries have done this much better than we have, and they've been able to turn people around and produce productive citizens, which is, should be our goal. It should be our goal to say, here's, what, here's, an, here's a skill set, go out into the world and learn. Exactly, and by saying skill set, you're right, on the, you're right on the nose. I know a few years ago I was looking into this pretty intensely. For every dollar they invest in, in education of these prisoners, they gain $5 back in lack of recidivism. Well, we're going to have to move on to the next topic, but we know for certain that 95% of these people will one day be out in society. We need to help them be functioning rather than learning how to, you know, live off of, uh, you know, more, more bad, bad stuff. Uh, <clears throat> Labor Secretary Fitzgerald Washington this week announced that uh, Friday's, on Friday, that the uh, September adjusted unemployment rate is 6.6%. Susan, mm -hmm. that is up from the rate in August mm -hmm. at 5.6. We are going in the wrong direction. Right, we are going in the wrong direction. And let, let us not forget that those numbers are based on people that are actually drawing unemployment currently. This does not account for the people who have already fallen off the rolls. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't know that there's any way of accounting for that, but it's the numbers are larger than just the six yeah. point, and they're uh, going to get worse. Yeah, yeah. They're going and they're going to well, get worse. And one of the things we heard from uh, the the National Federation of Independent Businesses this week that fifty percent of Alabama's small businesses say that without more infusion of cash from the federal government, mm -hmm. that they will not survive. Yep. And and right now we cannot get together in Washington to do anything, and it's just like Alabama, hard to get together on anything. 
Well, you know, Democrats have had a bill on the table for three months uh, there, and uh, and it's it, you know there doesn't seem to be any agreement. There's going to be a small bill put forth by McConnell, I believe, with, uh, here next week, but you know it doesn't it doesn't have a chance uh, because it, it's nowhere near what the American people need and what businesses need. It wouldn't save any business. Well, we are in the political season. Nothing's going to happen, and people are going to suffer. But that's just politics. All right, I'm gonna, we're going to leave it right there. You're watching The V, the voice of Alabama politics. We'll be right back. The United States was built on the foundations of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Millions of people have defended these pillars of our democracy. Please remember the sacrifice made by these Americans and make time to register to vote and obtain a government photo ID so you too can vote on November 3rd. Voting is a sacred right. Sacrifices made by those who so bravely serve our country should never be forgotten. Hey man, what are you doing today? Um, pleasant game. Thought I'd go out for a drive later maybe. Text some friends while I'm doing it. Scroll through social media. Kill a family four and a head on collision. Cool, man. Drive safe, Alabama. A message from your Alabama Department of Transportation. I'm John Merrill. As your Secretary of State, I will ensure that all Alabamians have the opportunity to participate in safe, secure, and fair elections. Due to the ongoing pandemic, anyone that wants to be an absentee voter should select the box on the application which reads, I have a physical illness or infirmity which prevents my attendance at the polls. After enclosing a copy of your valid photo ID and following the directions completely, your voice will be heard and your vote will be counted. Through absentee, we'll see you at the polls. Welcome back to The V, the voice of Alabama politics. Our special guest is U.S. Senator Doug Jones. Welcome, Senator. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me again, guys. Good to see you. Good to see you. Good to see you, too. You have been busy on the campaign trail. You've been holding drive-in events. You, you've been holding uh, Zoom conferences. Uh, you, you're doing all kinds of media events. I mean, you're letting people know what your message is. And, 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 and unfortunately, we have asked your opponent to come on our show. Uh, the door has been open several times. But he's not doing the type of events that you're doing. And... Uh, we're just kind of wondering, how's the campaign going? You know, Bill, I appreciate you asking that because we are out there a lot. And it is a different world we're de dealing with right now. We're doing a lot more Zoom events, but we're doing telephone town halls as well. We connect with 500 to 1,000 people doing those right. to try to, it's not just get the message out about what we want to do in the next term. It's also making sure people understand what I've done for the last two and a half years for the people of Alabama, you know, for veterans, for farmers, for business for handling this COVID crisis to try to get the healthcare professionals out there. So we feel like everything is going very, very well. Things, you know, that I told folks this week, <clears throat> this race is beginning to feel a lot like 2017, where as focus, as people focus in on the election day, people start looking at the issues and they start figuring out who is going to best represent that them. Is it somebody who's been representing them that's got a good record to help them? or somebody with no experience who refuses to talk to the people of Alabama through the media. 
and just avoids it. So we feel really good about where we are. Yeah, well, Senator Jones, I know you've got to be doing some polling out there in the fields. What's that looking like? Oh, it looks, it's looking really great, Susan. <clears throat> Thanks for asking me. You know, we've been trying to track this. You know, my, my folks have been doing this for two and a half years, but lately we've been doing a lot of the tracking. And right now what we're seeing is most of the time <clears throat> I'm up, you know, one point, maybe even, maybe even up as much as two points. There'll be a couple of nights where, uh, you know, he will get up a, a little bit. But right now we're showing this race as one that is just not just dead even, but slightly in favor of me because all the trends are showing in every, just about every demographic uh, across the state and on issues that people consistently give me higher ratings for things like handling the COVID crisis, working across the aisle to get things done for folks, making sure that we represent the people of Alabama. I think the only thing that he scores higher than me is when people ask, you know, does he have the uh, experience? And so many people uh, rate him as no. He doesn't have the experience. So he rates higher than me on inexperience. But we feel very good about where we are because we've been doing this a long time. It's not like these pollsters that just zoom in and zoom out and wait it right. based on, you know, presidential politics. You know, and that brings up a, a good question. I mean, uh, President Trump has a large following in Alabama, uh, but the polls say... If they're right, the polls say that Joe Biden will be the next president of the United States. It also shows that there is a high probability that the U.S. Senate will flip from Republican to Democrat. If that happens, a Senator Tommy Tuberville will not be an effective advocate for Alabama because he will be out of power. And his main reason for going to the Senate to support the president's agenda will also be a moot point. I mean, how do you explain to people that you being there and in the majority will make a difference for how Alabama is treated? Well, first of all, Bill, you're absolutely right. That could very well happen. And I don't know what he would do. He may quit like he did on all his football teams. That seems to be his pattern of, of conduct lately. But the fact is, here's how I start with that. I start with the premise that let's suppose Donald Trump is reelected uh, and the Senate may or may not change. The fact of the matter is they've got a sure thing with Doug Jones because I've had 21 bipartisan bills that have been passed into law. I'm in the, the, the minority party in the Senate. My party doesn't control the White House, but yet I've been able to get things done with President Trump, having him sign these bills for farmers, for small business, for uh, folks across the state. So on the one hand, I've got a proven record of an independent voice. And by the way, Bill, I think it's important for folks to know because they keep talking about, you know, the flip side of, of Tuberville being Jones just going to do what Sh Schumer and Pelosi want him to do. I will tell you, my voting average percentage of votes with Richard Shelby is almost identical to the voting percentage with Chuck Schumer. That's an independent voice for Alabama. So the flip side is if, if, if Joe Biden, my friend from 40 years, uh, is elected, then yeah, Alabama's got a voice uh, and, a, and a real seat at the table because Joe Biden's going to need voices like me. He said that over and over. He's going to need voices like Doug Jones in the Senate to make sure we can get things done because I can reach across the aisle to help get things done 
better than some of my colleagues on the Democratic side. And you do that by reaching across and being in the middle. So, you know, it's really, I think, an amazing situation where Alabama uh, has a, a voice in the Republican caucus and a voice in the Democratic caucus. Uh, and uh, it's, it's been a big help because up there, you've got to have uh, support. Uh, you've got to be able to gather support on both sides of the aisle. And that's the best way to do it, regardless of who the president is. That is the best way to do it because we can get things done for the state. Well, and that's one thing Senator Richard Shelby has been, I, I, in my opinion, what, the greatest senator from Alabama to date. Uh, and he has always worked for the people of Alabama. From what we can see from your record, you are following that same pattern of what can I do for the people of Alabama? We do not know what Mr. Tuberville will do for Alabama because he won't tell us. But uh, we've got about one minute left. Uh, Tommy Tuberville has had some strange business dealings. And I don't know whether you want to get into that or not, but as Susan and I were talking, the New York Times expose on that has been fairly damning. Uh, and, and he wants to be on banking or finance and just doesn't make any sense to me. Well, he said, actually what he said, he wanted to be on banking finance, which is two separate committees. It's not right. He really doesn't right. even know what's going to. But yeah, I mean, look, it's not just that. I mean, if you look at the way he left all his coaching jobs, he did the same thing to his investors. Uh, in that hedge fund. He just quit on them. You know, he, he advertised himself as monitoring their investments, researching it, and he just quit on them. And so I think that that's the other thing. And one of the other things that came out in that bill that is important is this uh, foundation that he has that's supposed to give all this money to, to veterans. Uh, our records indicate that only uh, his records and our analysis shows he only gave about 18 cents on the dollar to veterans. This was all about him. And I, I just can't believe that he would have a pattern when you can't talk to the people of Alabama about what you really stand for and the plan that you've got for the people of Alabama. I think you should be disqualified and should not be elected. Alabama deserves better in a U.S. senator than somebody who goes in there and just wants to be a rubber stamp. Well, we appreciate you joining us today. And with uh, about two weeks left to go, we will know very soon who our next senator will be. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you, guys. Great to see you again. Great to see you. You're watching The V, the voice of Alabama politics. Our special guest has been Senator Doug Jones. We'll be right back. As we celebrate 100 years of women's suffrage, we reflect upon a time when we could not register to vote nor hold public office. But now, we have the privilege of representing the people of Alabama in the state legislature. We must continue to educate and empower women because together, we can continue to shatter records and overcome barriers. Register to vote and obtain your photo ID so you too can exercise your right to vote on November 3rd. What are you doing today, babe? I thought I'd head down to the lake with the guys, do a little fishing. Of course, none of us will be wearing our seat belts. I'll lose control of the truck, wrap it around a tree, and kill us all. Okay. Drive safe, Alabama. A message from your Alabama Department of Transportation. I'm John Merrill. 
As we prepare for the general election during the pandemic, it is important for Alabamians to step up and become poll workers. Poll workers are paid officials who protect the rights of registered voters at the polls. Contact your probate judge to learn more or apply online at alabamavotes.gov. If you're 16 or older and enrolled in high school or college, you can apply to become a student poll worker by contacting your probate judge or our office. We'll see you at the polls. Welcome back to The V, the voice of Alabama politics. I know that I do not like to say I told you so, but Susan, you love to say I told you so. That's because you're usually wrong. Well, there you go. <laughs> Josh wouldn't know anything about that. No. Nah. Never but been wrong. Never wrong. You don't have to worry about it. We warned and we warned and we warned that if they did not do more to protect mm -hmm. the students, that teachers would fall ill, that we'd have to close back down. Mm -hmm. and. This past week, Eddie Burkhalter for APR wrote one of the most heartbreaking stories I have read about COVID-19. Two teachers, high school teachers, tell the story of how they contracted COVID-19 at the school and took it home and gave it to their elderly parents that they were caring for. Can you imagine how horrifying that is? I mean, we, we, we knew this was going to happen. We, we knew there were ways that we could avoid this. We did not take that path. And now, this is just two stories we know about. This is just two. Yeah. I've got to be many, many more stories, you know, of, of taking it home to their elderly parents, taking it home to a sickly child. Well, Josh, in this story, one woman, she, she got COVID three weeks after they opened. Uh, she gave it to her mother. Her mother passed away. Another student, or another high school teacher, got it, took it, and found her father dead on his kitchen floor. And, mm -hmm. and these are just, like Susan said, two stories. We could have done better, but, but uh, Eric Mackey, the superintendent, and the Board of Education chose to go down this path. There was a plan out there. Yeah, there was a plan. We wrote about it several times. Uh, the the uh, the SOS plan. You know, it wouldn't it wouldn't have been perfect. It wouldn't have, wouldn't have stopped every case, and uh, you know, of course, but it would have been something that set up parameters and and would have given people, I think, a better peace of mind about what was going on, and it would have damn sure made sure that. Uh, that people knew the severity of things and that, that, that all precautions were being taken there. And, and that's just hadn't been the case with, with this. You know, you, you hear the stories and I've heard all of them. I've gotten the, the emails from teachers and, uh, you know, about, you know, what's going on in their classrooms and in their schools about how they can't clean and or, you know, they've shown up and, uh, you know, there's mold in places. So they know they haven't been cleaning. <coughs> Uh, you know, for the virus, and it's it's just you know what I mean. And you knew it was going to go this way. You knew it was going to go this way when they when they shot down that program and said, "Well, we're going to do this different thing." But they couldn't really describe what that different thing was. It just you know, and so here, here it's like the whole thing. It's like the whole virus, though, for for the most part. We haven't had a comprehensive plan from the top down. Uh, from the beginning of this thing, and so you know, this is what we've done. We've just rolled people back into schools this way. Susan, teachers have told us that they have to buy their own mm -hmm. hand sanitizer, their own <laughs> Clorox wipes. They have to buy their own protective gear. I mean, they were given the money, supposedly. Where is the CARES money? Where is... 
we knew I knew this was gonna happen. Yeah. It is in some basketball court somewhere, some baseball field. <coughs> it's not yeah. going where it's supposed to go. I've seen the kits that these teachers have been given. They're not enough to clean my living room, much less an entire classroom. I I, I hate to say this. Well no, I don't hate to say it. But I think that the Board of Education and Eric Mackey have blood on their hands because they squandered an opportunity to do the right thing, to do what was a convenient thing, and that is to just give everybody the money and say, well, do what you want with it. Yeah. That's not do, how do the world works. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's never worked. It's never worked a single time in, in the history in the history of the world. It's never worked to give them the money and tell them that you can do what you want to with it. It always disappears. It always yeah. disappears. Yeah. And, and I'll yeah. tell you this. In a lot of those cases... Uh, the inequity of the school systems that we have here is a big problem in it because while you have you know the the systems with more money are able to go out and buy all of this stuff you know a poor system gets this money and says hey how about we can buy some computers or something you know uh, yeah. and so I think yeah. a lot of that is going on here as well. I think they should be uh, each system that the, the, the governor should call for each system to be accountable for where that money went. Well, it needs to come start at the top with the school board and, and Mr. Mackey uh, having to answer for their lack of leadership and lack of keeping our children and our teachers and our uh, other uh, education workers safe. Uh, there needs to be an outcry. I mean, the teachers in Montgomery have, have said that they're, they're, they're tired of it. And many of them have said, yeah. you know. Well, this few of them went on strike. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if yeah. that's going to do any good, but it is necessary. Well, uh, we've it's nice got to about, call attention to it. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it is, and we need more attention given to the fact that they're not. Our teachers are not being protected, mm -mm. Uh, and they the, can't protect our children. The workers are not being protected, mm -mm. and because they're not doing their job. Well, one guy that still seems like he's just you know it's all good. A former Speaker of the House, Mike Hubbard, our, our celebrity uh, inmate number one. Felony is huh? Felony and felony still a slavery. No. He's in still in Lee County lockup, Josh, where we heard that he is now uh, uh, a kitchen trustee. Well, you know, I, I got to give credit to the uh, to the warden there or the sheriff or whoever. If you you know you're identifying prisoners by their skill set, that's where he belongs. Um, yeah, and so where you know, the cooking is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, uh, uh, you know, it's kind of like uh, Andy Dufresne. Andy Dufresne wasn't cooking. He was keeping the books, baby. And so, uh, you know, <laughs> put, put Mike over in the kitchen. I don't think you want to put Mike in the accounting department. No. <laughs> no. Yeah. I didn't tend to work out well for anybody. Yeah. No, but, but it does for him. But, you know, a kitchen trustee, they can run out and pick up groceries, and they can do all kinds of stuff we hear. We don't, every place has got their own rules. But... I mean, I I don't feel sorry for Hubbard because if you can't do the time, don't do the crime. But it just, I mean, this is how it works. If you break the rules, you should be punished. And mm -hmm. that he's still sitting in Lee County, I think is wrong because if he were, if he'd have just ripped off a convenience store over in Jefferson County, they'd they'd have had him in prison before he could say what? Yeah. yeah. You know, but, but, no, he, but that, that's Alabama, right? Of course, I do no, like Mike Hubbard having to wash pans. Yeah, I mean, you, you've, right. got, you've got guys in prison for 50 years for stealing $7. So, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a two different systems that we're working with. Yeah, it is. But, uh, well, we hope that the kitchen money stays safe in Mike's hands. 
You've been watching The V, the voice of Alabama politics. You watch us because we watch them.